Well, and it's been a real privilege for me this week to, um, to be able to serve you all as director. And I thank you for just the, the, the pleasure that you've made it to me. Um, just really watch, get a chance to watch and see you guys growing and, and uh, engaging with the gospel and engaging with each other. And it, it makes, uh, and I know for John and I and all of us who've been part of YXL all the way up from the time that we were sitting where you are until the time that we're uh, doing various things up front and serving, that it, it's, it means a whole lot for us to be able to give back to you what, what we receive. And uh, it's also kind of a tough act to follow Stu after a week. Um, you know, I've, I've learned more at, at his feet um, than, uh, than, than I can even say. And so it's a real, it, it's, it's been interesting. I've, I've been trying to put together some thoughts about what I wanted to, to leave you with tonight. So I've been listening all week and, and kind of thinking about where we, where we might go. Um, so I'm going to tell you the story of, of two mountaintops and a valley in between. Um, you guys have had a mountaintop experience this week. We've talked a lot about that. And we've talked about the fact that, um, you know, we want to make sure that we don't lose that spirit of YXL, of, 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 of the fervor that you have when, when you go home. And, you know, you've... This is good. The mountaintop experience is good. It's not something that should be scorned. You guys have had a taste this week of what the church is intended to be. Okay. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of Christian, a lot of students like yourselves, a lot of Christian students graduate high school and never darken the door of a church again. And various reasons, you know, in some cases because well, real you know, real church isn't enough like youth group for it to be you know engaging for me or interesting. It's not it's not as much fun anymore to go to church as it, as it was. Uh, but there's all kinds of other reasons. Sometimes it's just you know being kind of set free from um, from your parents' control or whatever else it might be. But you know this week what we've tried to do is not give you guys youth group for a week. Okay, we've tried to bring you into an experience of the church, of what the church is meant to be. And we're not trying to say that your churches back home aren't that. Okay, now your church is maybe very different from YXL. We don't expect that every uh, Every week and every Sunday morning is like YXL, but, but we, we want to be serious this week about, about the church and about, um, about giving you a vision for what the church really is and helping you to see how essential you are to it. We want you guys to see how much the church needs you and how much you need the church, okay? How much you need the body of Christ to grow as a, as a Christian, to, to grow in your walk. Um. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but some of the, the greater movements in the church, so some of the great really revivals and awakenings of the church have been led, have really been started by youth within the church. And so you guys are at, at a place, at a time in your generation where you can have a major impact on the body of Christ and begin to, to really uh, shape it into the, to the church the, the, to, to, to participate with Christ in the purification of his bride and making her... Um, the bride, perfecting her for himself. Um, so, you know, when, when, I, when you get home, you don't need to wait to make a difference. You don't need to wait five or ten years before you can start to, to, to take leadership. You guys can begin as soon as you get back. I mean, Stu gave you the challenge to do just one simple thing, just going around to, to church on Sunday morning and, and greeting people by name and telling them that you're glad to see them. I mean, just doing that one thing could make a, a significant difference within, within your church. Um, but what I want to talk to you guys about tonight is that the impact that you have when you come down from the mountain is going to have a lot to do 
with how you come down from the mountain. Okay? With how you come down. And I want to look at two mountaintop experiences in Peter's life and contrast these two and take a look at how Peter came down from the mountain in both these cases. Okay, we've been in 1 Peter all week. We've been blessed. Peter's been teaching us. Stu's been unpacking 1 Peter for us. I want to look at Peter, and let's look at these two mountains and the valley in between. Okay? So you guys know Peter's story. You know how he was called, right? What was he doing when he was called? He was fishing, right? And Jesus came, and what do you guys remember what Jesus did? It was a big shock to Peter. Peter had been up all night fishing, hadn't caught a thing. What does Jesus tell him to do? <laughs> Throw your net out on the other side of the boat, right. And, and what happens? Caught a ton of fish. The nets are breaking. They're hauling the fish in. What, do you guys remember what Peter's response was to Jesus at that point? Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. So what was up with Peter at that point? What was he... What was he thinking? Why did he react that way to Jesus? Connor, what? He was convicted. He was convicted of what? His own sin. And he also saw that Jesus was, was righteous, was holy, right? There was, this guy is something that I do not have a category for this. He's holy other, right? We talked about that. He's holy other. And Peter saw that. So he had that experience of being humbled, right? Of being of seeing his sin, that's sort of first time really confronted with it. And then Jesus calls him to follow him, and he was going to make him a fisher of men. Okay? So that begins Peter's walk with, with Christ. Now sometime later in Matthew 16, I'm going to go ahead and turn to Matthew 16, and if you have your Bible with you, I um, invite you. We're going, to, we're going to take a couple of hops through Peter's life here in Matthew 16, starting at verse 13. Hey, John, is there any way I can get some water? Thank you. Anything, anything liquid? A beer would be great. I mean, oh, sorry. <laughs> That's being I forgot I was recording that. Oh, you were recording Oh, put that on Facebook. <laughs> you are coming down off the mountain on Tuesday, and I was like, it was so tempting just to stop by the uh, grocery store in Santa Fe. But I didn't think Lorietta would let me smuggle beer. And now you guys know the truth about me. It's good to have an honesty. Beer is proof that God, uh, God loves his, his people. Gives them bread in liquid form. Uh, it's good. Okay. Guys, don't, don't let me corrupt you. Um, uh, Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what do people, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, 
And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Now, <clears throat> this next uh, story is pretty familiar to us. It follows right after that. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now, if you want to flip with me over to Mark 9, this is about eight days after that scene where Peter's rebuked. So we see Peter, he's got a zeal for the Lord, right? He, he's, he, he's, he has confessed Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah. Um, he has this, this incident with Jesus. He's probably still going like, what, what? I don't understand. Why did you just rebuke me for that? I don't, how, could, how, could, uh, how could you not like the, the fervor that I have for you? And so here he is now um, in, uh, in Mark chapter 9, and after six, this is starting at verse 2, and after six days Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents. One for you and for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. So this is the first mountaintop experience I want to talk about, about with Peter. So Peter has, has been called. Jesus has called him, he's had, an, he's had a conviction of his own sin, and he's seen that Jesus is righteous, Jesus has called him to follow. Peter has confessed Christ, confessed Jesus as the Christ. Uh, he's expressed his faith, his loyalty to Jesus. And then he has this experience where Jesus calls him out. He, him and, and James and John, just the three of them, get to come up with him on this mountain, and when he's on this mountain, he sees, he gets to see Jesus in his glory. Okay, that is an experience any of us would, would give any kind of, of money to have that experience. Or any, I mean, for us to be able to see Jesus today exactly as he is, I can't imagine what impact that would have on, on, on myself. I mean, how would I ever doubt him again, right? How would I ever question again after seeing him as he is? Okay, so now Peter comes down off the mountain, and... Um, not long after this, in Capernaum, just a little while later, uh, you know, a bunch of the disciples, Capernaum, by the way, is Peter's hometown, so Peter's house is there in Capernaum. Um, today, if you go to Capernaum, there's a big sort of weird-looking church thing built over top of his house. Um, and, uh, and they get into an argument about who's the greatest. You guys remember that, the story about the, the disciples arguing about who's the greatest, greatest, and Jesus says, no, the greatest among you must be the servant of all, Right? And Peter had to have been in that argument. It doesn't name him, but we can assume it was probably Peter was one of the ones who was kind of, kind of arguing about who was the greatest. So now we've, we've seen Peter go from Peter by the, by the shore uh, saying, away from me, what a sinner I am, to Peter arguing with his, with his buddies about who's the greatest. We're on, this, we're on the Jesus train. We're, gonna, we're, 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 on, we're following the Messiah 
Um, and we're, we're, we're with the right guy. Now let's turn to Mark 14. They've, they've just, they're at, almost at the conclusion of the Passover week. They've had the triumphal entry at the beginning of the week. Um, Peter, all the rest of the disciples are thinking, okay, this is it. We're finally, it's, it's the, the kingdom is finally going to be ushered in. They have the Passover meal, and Jesus institutes um, the Lord's Supper, which we're going to take in just a little bit. Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, and after they had, um, had had the supper, they went out, after they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, I must, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. All right, so I want you to think about this for a minute. I'm going to ask you guys some questions, and I want you to help me answer them. We'll write a few things on the board. What did, what did Peter have at this point? As a follower of Christ, what did he have? Faith. He had faith, right? He had confessed Jesus as the Christ. He's, he knew. Um, called this Peter one. He had faith. What else did he have? Passion. He loved Jesus, and he was was willing to do. He had a, had a passion, a zeal for Jesus. What else did he have? Confidence. Confidence. In what? In himself. Okay? What else did Peter have? Loyalty. Yeah, loyalty. There's a th what have we been, what's our theme this week? What have we been talking about all week? Call to action. Peter had a calling. Okay? He had a calling. What was his calling? Be a fisher of men. That's right, to be a fisher of men. And there's one other thing that Jesus had said in that passage I read in Matthew. What did he say that Peter was going to be? The rock, right. This rock. The foundation of the church, right? Okay. So he had a calling. What did he gotten? What did he had on the mountaintop? A once in a lifetime experience. A once in a lifetime experience, and what? What was there? He was afraid. He was afraid. Yeah. Okay. So, so the fear of the Lord. He had a vision, though, of God's of Jesus's glory. He'd seen it, right? He had a vision of Jesus' glory. That's a, this is a lot, guys. What Peter also had leadership gifts. He was already very gifted as a leader. People, Peter was a natural leader. He had a, a lot of things that you guys have going for you in terms of just gifts of being able to, to get people to follow you. So he had leadership. And one last thing I want to say is he had a team already, okay? He's part of a team. So... 
And I, and I guess one thing I think that almost is obvious, we don't even see it, but he had a relationship with Jesus, right? He had a real relationship with Jesus. And that maybe goes hand in hand with faith. I mean, those two things really can't be separated. But like, I guess there were people who had relationships with Jesus who didn't believe. But so he had a relationship with Jesus. He believed in Jesus. He had passion. He had confidence in himself. He had loyalty. He had a calling. He had fear of the Lord, a vision of Jesus' glory, leadership gifts, and he had a team. Okay. Let's think about that for a second. Whose agenda would you say that Peter was focused on at this point? Whose plan? His, his own is what you said? Jesus' plan or Peter's plan? Okay. So that's, that's one thing I want to look at, kind of see what happens here. So let's look at what happens to, to Peter. We know the story. We know how he betrays or how he denies Jesus. Later on in the same chapter, um, in uh, Mark 14, verse 66, And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began, and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke, invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Now turn with me to John 21. Let's read about Peter's restoration. Peter spent a miserable... couple of days until he knew of Jesus' resurrection. And there's some time later, we have this, uh, this story of, um, of breakfast in John 21. You guys probably remember the story. It's very much like the first time Peter was called. Okay? Peter's been out fishing all night with his disciples, with, the, with, his, with his friends. They haven't caught anything. The dawn is just dawn. There's someone on the shore. And they call, he calls out to them. And uh, verse 5, Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? And the, the, uh, the Greek there is something more along the equivalent of, Hey boys, you got any fish? And they're like, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. Of course, you know what happens. They catch so many fish, but this time the nets aren't breaking. And then the, John, the disciple whom Jesus loves, turns to Peter and says, It's the Lord. <laughs> when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. And so we know what happens. Peter swims to shore. Everyone else is pulling the boat in. They bring the, they bring the nets in. Um, they're, they're almost about to burst. They brought in so many fish, they had 153 fish. And then Jesus already actually has this fire laid out, and he's prepared breakfast for them. But he asked them to bring some of their own fish to, to, to add to the, to the fish that he prepared. 
And starting at verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So this second time, it's very similar to the first time that Peter was called. A lot of parallels to it. What does he call him to do the second time around? What does he call Peter to? To feed his sheep. Yeah, to feed his lambs, to tend his sheep, to feed his sheep. Now we know what happens just, just uh, 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. We have the day of Pentecost. And that's the day, it's the feast that the Jews celebrated the giving of the, of the Ten Commandments. Um, on Sinai, it was also a harvest festival for them. And on the celebration of the giving of the Ten Commandments of the law, God sent his Holy Spirit. And Peter, along with uh, many of with the other disciples, were in an upper room in Jerusalem, and the Spirit was poured out upon them in power while they waited, waited obediently, obeying the word of the Lord to wait for the Spirit to come upon them. And they received the Spirit in power. And we see a different Peter just a, just a little bit after that. I want to turn to Acts chapter 3. And look, Peter has been, uh, has been walking through the temple. And, uh, and there's, a, there's a, a lame man who, who, um, uh, who they end up, uh, Peter ends up healing in the name of Jesus. And the, this man is clinging to them. And all the people are utterly astounded. Uh, so they're running around to see what's happened, uh, that this man has been healed. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. He said, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us, as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by his name, by faith in his name, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. I'll stop there. What's the difference? Okay, Peter's had a mountaintop experience. 
Mount Transfiguration, we saw Peter, just before his denial of Jesus, this is what Peter has, okay? He's broken. Okay? He's had another mountaintop experience now, the outpouring of the Spirit. What is the difference between Peter in his first mountaintop and Peter after Pentecost? What's happened? Yes, okay, so he's focused on Christ's agenda. He's really, in a sense, he's given up on needing to know the whole story. He doesn't need to understand exactly what Jesus is doing. He's on board. He's following. He's a, he's a true disciple now. He's following Jesus, whatever Christ's agenda is. What else? He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And what does that do for Peter? What does the Holy Spirit give to Peter? Say loud. Power to heal. Power to heal. Okay, so it's actually given him a gift of healing to be able to heal this man. What else, Garrett? He gives him all the stuff he had before. It's just okay, it's, it's, just, it's he's got all the things he had before. Now it is, it's got he's got the Holy Spirit kind of working in all in all of those things. Anybody else? Counselors are welcome to answer too. Can you say it louder? Boldness. Boldness. Yeah. Boldness in what? His teachings. I mean, we saw him before he had confidence in himself. Now he's got boldness in? Christ. Post-resurrection. Post-resurrection. Now, are you talking about in terms of boldness, or are you talking about in terms of um, just, it's, it's after the resurrection? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He has seen the resurrection. He's seen the risen Christ. Gives him a boldness. Kate? Uh, yes. He's living for the glory of God. And you see that in what he says. It's, it's, it's all over his words. He says, the God says, um, why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Right? He immediately points to the Father and gives him the credit, gives him the glory. And he says that it was by the name of Jesus that this man has been made well. Not because of anything about, about Super Peter, the, the apostle. Okay. I think, what, what, what does Peter have because of what happened when he denied Jesus? Guilt. He was, he was guilty, but he's been forgiven. So what does he have, what does that give him now? Gives him hope, yes. Gives him a greater sense of his own sin, right? At the beginning, Peter, had, I think, had to a, had a recognize his sin when he was first called on the shore. But now he knows he is a sinner all the way through in desperate need of a Savior. He knows how bad he needs Jesus, and he knows there's nothing he can do Apart from Christ. Okay. And he has a deeper understanding of his calling. He's been giving, given another. He, he was called uh, to be a fisher of men. He was called to be the rock, the foundation for the church, upon which the church is going to be built. Is going to be built. Now he's been given this, this 
this calling to feed Jesus' sheep. So I want you to think about this. As you come down the mountain from YXL, which Peter will you be? Because which Peter you are is going to make all the difference in the impact that, that you have. Okay? Now I know for myself, this was me. Okay? This was me coming back, coming down the mountain, full of faith, passion, self-confidence. I'm a leader. You know, I've got a calling, a sense of calling. I've seen God's glory. I've been in this, been among his people. Right? But I wasn't focused on Christ's agenda. I was focused on my own agenda. Okay? I wasn't living in dependence on Christ. I was living in dependence upon myself and my own abilities. So what makes us Peter after Pentecost? What is it for us, guys, I mean, this is, this is the question for us. We're going home. What is it that makes that difference? How, do we, how are we like Peter after Pentecost? Say it and say it louder. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. He's been given the Holy Spirit. You have all been given the Holy Spirit. Anyone else have any any other thoughts on that? Any other? And speakers and staff are welcome to answer. What's the difference? The spirit is definitely. I mean, the spirit is the power. The spirit is the power of it. Yes. We have we have the gospel. We know about the cross. We, and, and we don't just know the gospel, but we know it for ourselves. We know, we've been, we, we recognize how much we need the gospel every day, okay? I think for a lot of us, we're in this place where we sort of, we know the gospel, we, know, we think that's how we got saved, but we think mostly the gospel is for those other people who don't know Jesus yet, okay? Peter, on this side, knows that the gospel is for him every day, and he's never going to get away from it. We read this, uh, this passage last night in 1 Peter 5 um, that, uh, that Stu took us through. This is 1 Peter 5, beginning at verse 6 through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Do you remember what Jesus' words to Peter before he denied him? In John, he says, Simon, Simon, the devil was asked to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Peter knows what it's like to have the, the enemy prowling after him. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, 
the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Do you hear those words? The God of all grace, who has called you, Peter knows what it means to be called, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore. Think of Peter on the shore with Jesus at breakfast. Okay? Will himself restore, confirm, strengthen. He gives the Holy Spirit. He establishes Peter and establish you. To him be the dominion. He's focused on Christ's agenda. Okay, He's focused on the kingdom. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter could not possibly have written those words that he wrote in 1 Peter without thinking of his own story. Okay, He is writing to us and he is telling us exactly what he has gone through. He was humbled when he fell, when he was broken before the Lord. He, he was humbled beyond any imagining to have denied the, the Savior. And God, in due time, exalted Peter and lifted him back up and put him back together again and made him a new Peter, the kind of Peter that would be the rock on which he would build his church. Jesus prayed for Peter that his faith would not fail on that night. Now, Peter, we said that Peter had faith before the valley, before he fell, right? Did Peter's faith fail? I would say no. Peter blew it big time. But Jesus prayed for Peter that his faith would not fail, and his faith did not fail. And Jesus prays for you, and he is praying for you now. Scriptures say that, the, that Jesus intercedes for us before the throne, and one of the prayers that he prays for you is that your faith will not fail. Jesus is praying for you when you go down off the mountain that your faith will not fail. There's hope, okay, in Peter's story for, for us, whether we're on this side or this side, whichever mountaintop experience you, you've had or when you come down off the mountain, however you come down off the mountain, there is hope for you because it is the story that is being told in your life is the story that Jesus is telling. You're not writing your own story. He is telling the story. And he is the one praying for you before the throne. And he is the one who is the author, the beginner of your faith, and he is the perfecter of your faith. And he perfected Peter's faith. Peter's faith was brought, was brought to perfect fruition. So however you come down off the mountain, know this. If you believe in the Lord Jesus as your Savior and you've put your trust in him, he will see you through all the way to the end. And you will become like Peter after Pentecost. Okay? Have you guys been fed this week? Yes. Think about this for a second. Peter fed you. Peter's been feeding you this week. We've been, in his, we've been in the letter that Peter wrote this week. You're part of that story that Jesus was telling Peter. The calling that he gave to Peter, he said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. You guys have been fed this week as a direct result of what God called Peter to do. That's, that's amazing to me, to think that 2,000 years later, 
Peter's calling is still being carried out, and it was and it's and it's fed each of you this week. Obviously, I want for all of you, as you come down off the mountain from YXL, to come down in the strength of the Spirit, with the knowledge of the gospel for yourselves, in dependence on the Lord Jesus, and working in the strength that He gives you. But whatever your story is going to be from here, know this, that the one who calls you is, is faithful, and He will do it. And I want to leave you with a charge, just three things. This is really the same three things that that were the same things that Jesus called, charged his disciples with just before this night when, when Peter, just before this time when Peter betrayed him. He called them to abide in him. Fix your eyes on him. See him. Behold him in his word. Abide in him and in his word. All those things we talked about, what does it mean to see the Lord in his glory? Remain in him. And be the church. Love one another. You guys have had just a taste this week of what it really means to, to love one another, okay? Don't stop doing this when you go home. Love each other with the love that Christ has, with, with, with the love with which Christ has loved you. And don't wait. Don't wait to follow him. You guys are the church. You're the church today. You're the church now. You're leaders in the church now. Don't wait to follow. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you did not leave me in that place, Lord of trying to depend on my own on myself lord I, I i run back to it constantly and you 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 break me again and again father i've been reminded many times this week that i'm there's nothing i can do apart from you lord i i pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us tonight give us a vision of your glory lord give us passion Give us faith. Give us, you've given us gifts. Give us all of those things, Lord Jesus, but most of all, help us to see the gospel, see the beauty of the cross, see our absolute and utter need for you and our dependence on you for everything that we have and everything that we need. And help us to see the hope of glory, of your glory, that we will be together in the eternal Zion, and there will be no more tears, and there will be no more pain. There will be only the glory of God and our love for you and joy. Lord, thank you for my brothers and sisters, and ask your blessing upon them now. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. <laughs> finish my Thank you.